Okay, I'm going. Uh, the Red Line Podcast. Welcome to the internet, live from the Marriott Library at the University of Utah and a secretive shipping container somewhere in the port of Cache Valley. This <laughs> is the Red Line Podcast. I'm your host, quote, has a strong dislike for cars, Dunstan, and these are my co-hosts. Kyle, quote, thank you to our patrons for buying us this shipping container, close quote, <laughs> Holland, and... Alex, quote, this shipping container is going to be really cold when it snows, Fielder. Today, because our <laughs> venerable writer and producer found out that LA's transit history is way more complicated than we thought, we're taking a break to talk about some of our urbanist pet peeves, policy dreams, and rank some transit. All this after the... Oh, there's no news today. Yeah, I looked in Mass Transit Magazine and Metro Magazine and all the other places I normally look for news, and the most interesting thing that's going on is like... The Rhode Island Public Transportation Authority is hiring a new vice president. LMAO. <laughs> do, de, do, de, do. Although there was that landslide next to the Hudson line on the Metro North, but that's fixed already, so. Yeah, it doesn't really fit our news cycle. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, yeah. Alex, can I get a really depressed sounding ding after this one? Do 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 do. Biden when we get to the news. Joe Biden, Joe Biden's they them army when they don't get to hear the the news, <laughs> the news trademark on the Redline podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So first thing. Oh. You guys, you guys see that? Uh, did you guys both read that email that we got? No. Yeah, um, yeah, from that okay, guy. Well, yeah, I'm gonna pull it up because it's really funny that this man thought that. Well, I mean, I don't want to make fun of him because clearly he's a very smart and qualified person. But quote, I, I am an economist and national security analyst specializing in China and Russia and seeking an opportunity to be a guest on your podcast. <laughs> Other news media and podcasts have had me on recently to discuss the Israel-Hamas war, China's involvement, the roles of Russia and Iran, or how this is related to the BRICS expansion or Belt and Road reconfiguration. I have experience on the Discovery Channel, History Channel, NTD TV, Bloomberg, and the BBC. Okay, uh, I kind of want this Sincerely now. redacted. Did they, think we, did they actually think we were the other Redline podcast? They thought podcast? we were the other Redline podcast. Oh, I didn't so. think that would actually ever cause confusion. So, uh, just like, so... That's awkward. Yeah, just like, y for those of you who are not familiar with the other Red Line podcast, um, they are a geopolitics podcast run out of Australia. We are a train podcast run out of America. About as different as two podcasts about real-world subjects can get. Like, we even have di very different websites, very different Twitter handles, like... I don't know, yeah, man. Yeah, sure, very different Twitter handles. <laughs> the content and graphics and logos of our podcasts are, like, polar opposites. I know. Yeah. So, like, I don't want to blame this person because, you know, they're clearly smart. Yeah, can we have them as a guest anyway? No, I think the reason this happened is because they don't, like, speak English natively. 
Interesting. Because their name is redacted, but it's Italian looking. I think that's Italian, right? Sounds Italian. And, but they have all of their degrees from like university in China and other redacted university in China. So they probably know more languages than all of us combined and... So like they just kind of didn't... I don't know. But anyway, that's a very interesting thing that happened. If you do want to be a guest on our podcast... (laughs) Send us an email at the (laughs) 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 redlinepodcast.com Oh my goodness. (laughs) No, if you do want... so so that you have, I don't think we're hosting this from like the Telestial Kingdom or whatever. Um, Yeah, no, that was a joke. If you do want to be a guest on the podcast... Comedy is the art of the unexpected, right? And that was extremely unexpected. I'll unexpect you. <laughs> Got me. But no, if you actually want to be a ghost on the podcast and you have any qualifications... A <laughs> what on the podcast? Huh? A what on the podcast? A guest. You said ghost. Oh. <laughs> you did say ghost. <laughs> well, I mean, that can be arranged as well. Um, no, Jeez. if you want to be a guest... On the Red Lime Podcast, parentheses, transit edition, close parentheses, and you have any qualification to do so. You or none. You have to have some qualification. We'll I'm take, sorry. We'll take emails. This is true. Okay. But if you think you're qualified, like, there this can go. be, like, your, whether that is a reality or your, like, fever dream, uh, you can email at us at the Red Lime Podcast, at gmail.com. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the one thing I will say that was interesting from getting that email is we're obviously becoming searchable enough that he found us. Oh yeah, we're and like th- if you that's just very look nice. up, go us. If you just look up the Redline Podcast, one, two, three. Third result is the website. Cool. What are the other two? The first Redline podcast? Uh, the other two are the first Redline podcast website. They're Twitter. Then there's ours. Then there's the other Redline podcast on Apple, the other Redline podcast on YouTube, and us. Oh, wait. No. Wait. Why are there two different of the same? Uh, never mind. The point is <laughs> we're on we exist. <laughs> we have good SEO or something. Non-existent. We have existent SDL. We have something resembling SDL. Extant SDL, sort. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that was the news. That was the news. Do, 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 we got a funny do, email. Do. Well, not a funny, funny email, but it was funny for us. Alex, you can't see me, but I'm hitting you virtually like a symbol. Oh. Don't. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um other thing I wanted to talk about here is that, you know that episode we did, like, I don't know, what was it? Two months, three months ago now? The one where we did, like, My Downtown is Better Than Yours? Yeah, and that one that one downtown recovery study said that everyone in the one. country is, like, obsessed with. Because it's the only people who have come out and just came, made a list of rankings based off of any data whatsoever. Yeah, well, it turned out uh, they did an update to their data, and things have changed, trademark. Quite a lot, actually. Quite a lot, quite a lot. Turns out this sort of data is kind of hard to analyze. I'm still going to be honest. I think that they're wrong about Salt Lake being where it is on their new data. Did you link a single source on this? On what? This oh, episode. no, I didn't. 
Please link the sources. I will thanks. find. I'll link the. I'll be responsible. You have to keep in mind that I was thinking I might be able to finish the first LA episode before this, and then I, my train was like delayed by twenty minutes, and well, then I was not able to. You, so so you're, you're saying you're twenty minutes away from finishing it? Yeah. That's well, funny. That sort seems of optimistic. Yeah, extra twenty minutes maybe, plus the time I spent making this. Oh, and, gotcha. And some more time. Anyway, but yeah, so basically. They, they did some methodology changes here. They switched from combining data from two providers to using one. They changed how they define downtown, which I think is the reason I take issue with their new methodology. And they're standardizing by MSA, and they're showing data through June instead of May. Okay, so how did they change the like boundary of downtown or whatever? Well, I, I'm quoting directly here, so... Quote, we changed how we define downtown to reflect the central location with the highest concentration of private sector employment. That sounds office-centric. Yes, which is why I'm not as concerned about this as we used to be, because the old way that they were measuring data really took into account kind of all trips into the area that they were defining as downtowns. And I'd imagine that area was reasonably generous. Yeah, with as the it exception probably should be. With the exception of like Portland and San Francisco, which may explain their uh, recent jump. Like most of the time this was like kind of based on just the zip code surrounding downtown. Now it seems like they're doing it based purely on like office attendance, which is to be honest a very important measure in the downtown recovery. There's probably a happy medium in between entire zip codes and between central I think central that in the beginning areas. they were trying to measure workers coming back to the office and not specifically uh, downtown activity in general. That's kind of silly, in my opinion. Somebody has to pay for their research. <gasps> the big office mafia. Sorry, the um, real estate. 15-year office lease mafia. Real estate, mafia. only the largest industry on the planet. Yeah. Yeah, just put mafia after that because it sounds better on air. <laughs> but... You know, this has been good in some ways, bad in others, but the point being, Salt Lake City now is at 82%, which, I, I don't know, Vegas is the only one that has over 100 anymore, and San Francisco, the one everyone loves to shit on, is almost at 70%. So, Dang, and this is a study specifically targeting office jobs over everything else. I think targeting at least office job areas, yeah. Of which San Francisco has many, so good for them. And 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 so a lot of these cities that people have been real like doomery on, uh, it turns out are not doing as badly as we all thought. San Francisco sixty seven percent, Portland sixty one percent, Seattle fifty seven percent. So, you know, those numbers still aren't great, but they are not in the thirties. I would love to see a third <laughs> iteration of this study that um, takes into account or at least targets non-office trips, like recreational and shopping trips. This is While true. maintaining the improvements that have been made between one and two. Very true. So true. Uh, also, New York seems to be performing worse than it was before, but, you know, whatever. New York, <laughs> New York. And Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, the, the new worst city in America is St. Louis, which can't say I'm surprised, to be honest with you, but yeah. in terms of downtown recovery. We love you, St. Louis. We do love you, St. Louis. Yeah, I'm wearing my Cardinals hat right now. <laughs> uh, so you can say anything you want about St. Louis and nobody can get you. 
that's how but, that works. Um, so the the study the data was based off of cell towers, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like how many like like the level of cell activity in the area before bef- like compared before versus after the Rona. Like like data transfer kind of thing. Well, they can the cell companies track your individual device. <laughs> At all times. Yeah, on the most basic (laughs) level, they just know which cell tower your device is connected to at any time, and they keep intense logs. Because they can sell that. They can sell it, they can give it to the government once the government turns up with a warrant, or sometimes without a warrant, (laughs) et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But, like, in downtown areas and other dense areas, there's a lot of cell towers. You get actually pretty good granularity by simply asking, hey, what cell tower is your phone connected to now? That's hmm. a decent substitute for your actual physical location. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I'm still going to, like, run with the lead Salt Lake City most recovered downtown because I think it probably is one of the most recovered downtowns, but, like, maybe not by as much as we all thought before yeah because we you saw know, we saw a big number we were happy because we live here and our downtown's pretty tight right and you know there's sort of media narratives surrounding like downtown recovery in various metropolitan areas like yeah in salt lake that media re- that media like it's pretty positive narrative has been pr- overall positive in other places ah, san francisco doom loop doom forever oh no You know, <laughs> and and we always knew that it was sort of a political like um, agenda based thing and not necessarily grounded in reality. But it is good to see some data confirming that it's not as bad as the weirdos think it is. So that's all I got on that one. If anyone has anything else to say, go for it. Did you like my siren noise? I'll like it later when I can turn down the volume. Sorry. <laughs> <sighs> so, yeah, turns out downtown is fine. It will probably always continue to be fine, especially since a lot of cities are building housing there now. Hashtag people live in cities or whatever. Something like that. Is that even a real hashtag? I was just saying hashtag in front of it, so I sound hip with the kids. Oh, I'm sure I don't it think is. hashtags... I don't think hashtags have been hip with the kids for like 10 years, Kyle. i got to be real. Okay, that's about the time scale I'm working on here. Okay, okay? fair enough. Um, Spent all the money on the shipping container. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't have any money to pay our joke writer. (laughs) Which is, I don't know, a gremlin living in the shipping container. (laughs) Great. So, uh, item two of the random crap that I pulled together here, uh, I did an academic paper on urban growth boundaries last year, uh, after the episode, sort of unfortunately. Well. And in that episode, we kind of did come to some conclusions that I don't necessarily agree with anymore, and I wanted to kind of address my new thinking about urban growth boundaries. Hot takes, hot takes, get your hot takes fresh off the griddle. I don't know if it's a hot take, but I do think that they're pretty based, and I do have data to back that up. Okay, so. hit us with the with the data-based hot takes. So, in the paper I wrote, right, I sort of 
measured the success of urban growth boundary based planning in Portland specifically because it's the longest running and most famous example based on a number of metrics. And kind of the only large scale one around uh, there. On the west coast kind of yeah of any city that anyone cares about. No offense to the one other place with an urban growth boundary. Yeah that being Sacramento. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah great for them. Uh, I compared 10 cities, which are Portland, Pittsburgh, Charlotte, St. Louis, Sacramento, Baltimore, Denver, Salt Lake City, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and San Diego. Uh, all of these cities have light rail, which is an important factor in this. Those all seem to be on a comparable scale. Yeah, they're all like 2. 2.3 to 3.3 or 3.7 million people. So, but, you know, number one metric... Density to metropolitan scale. Portland outperforms there uh, by as much as like 2,000 persons per square mile. That's really good, actually. Yes, quite good. Uh, solid climate win, too. Yeah, big solid climate win, and may explain some of uh, good biking numbers and good transit numbers that are in Portland. Wow. Because, you know... Density makes transit easier. The Portland metro is the only... Uh, metropolitan area under 3 million uh, I want to say under 5 million but that might not be correct so I'll have to look at the okay Pittsburgh and Portland are the only two metropolitan areas under 5 million that have greater than 5% transit mode share so they must be doing something right yeah um, in Pittsburgh it's because people are poor <laughs> in Portland, it's because the transit's pretty all right. And because density forces you to, because con freeway congestion is very bad. Density makes transit better and car worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing I measured is core city density. Uh, Portland doesn't do so well here, but I sort of figured out that that's because their suburbs are extraordinarily dense at all levels at all times, so... So they're more spread out? They're more spread out, but more dense, like... Overall, on overall. average. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting, it's I kind think. It's of, kind of an L.A.-themed style of development. Yeah. Uh, we also taught, we also did mode share here. Uh, Portland outperforms everyone, including much <laughs> larger cities like Minneapolis, San Diego, you know. These are important numbers. These are the real good for the climate, good for society results we're looking for. This is true. Uh, but the really interesting one, in my opinion, is the ridership for transit guideway mile metric, which Ooh. is a metric that we are fans of here we on this podcast. We do like it because it tells you pretty much how effective your transit system is right, like you know, actually moving people. You expect a bus, right, to... You expect a bus to get like 500 people for, per guideway mile on a really dense urban corridor. Like the two in Salt Lake City is one of our densest bus routes. It has just density, density, density all along at huge destinations at both ends. Sure. But and it buses, gets about 400. Yeah. And then buses can, of course, go a lot lower and still come out ahead in terms of cost numbers. Not so on rail. Rail is extremely... Ex the, the investment in rail is not the same as the investment in bus. The investment in bus is, low. is in operating costs. Yeah. The investment in rail is in capital costs, right? So it's really important to determine like how much usage we're getting per unit of guideway when we're building rail. 
Because rail shines under high ridership. Yeah, so, like, it's better when more people ride yes. it, unlike... Unlike the, the Well, the I two. mean, buses can be fine when more people ride but them. But they get worse. But there is, like, there is a certain point that you can't tip over. Yeah. That it tips over into getting worse. Rail, that tipping point is so high, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rail is the... That tipping point is so high, you have enough money to build the Second Avenue subway. Like, even on light rail, right? Like, which has way lower capacity, like... You know, a good light rail system with four-car train sets, which is, I don't know, there's not that many systems that can run four-car train sets, but tra- but there are a few, right? Can ru- can move, like, 16,000 people per direction per hour, which is obscene. Yeah. <laughs> like, even the New York subway doesn't normally move 16,000 people per direction per hour through a lot of its system. Heavy rail, you can do, like, 60,000, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> um... But anyway, it's really important to, like, figure out how much per unit we're getting. And Portland really shines here. Um, So they get about 2,000... Well, this is all pre-pandemic data, mind you, because everything is still... We're still still waiting on 2022 data sheets to come out. No, we have 2022 data. I need 2023 data. That's going to be my baseline year for determining everything. I thought we didn't have 2022 from the National Transit Database yet. Uh, Agencies put out month-by-month data most of the time, including TriMet, including others. I can tell you right now that TriMet's max is currently averaging about 80,000 this year. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's better. <laughs> Anyways, pre-pandemic data. Pre-pandemic data, about 120,000 daily riders on the max, right? About 2,000 riders per guideway mile. Which is quite respectable for This is better than everyone else I surveyed except for St. Uh, Minneapolis, and it's not close. Which really just says bad things about everywhere but Portland. Yeah, because I gotta be honest with you, having ridden a fair portion of the suburban section of Max, the land use is not particularly inspiring, except in a few places. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so, you know, places like San Diego get close, they had about 1,800, but everywhere else is just like, you know, Four or five hundred riders per guideway mile off in the distance. Except Minneapolis-St. Paul, which is kind of an exception because it has probably the most um, productive light rail route in the country, Mm. which runs directly between downtown Minneapolis and downtown St. Paul and has one of the largest universities in the country right smack dab in the middle of it. So they got it easy. Yeah, the green line, the metro green line is kind of on easy mode. I gotta be real with it. (laughs) Me with a major destination. Yeah. So all this makes uh, Portland's system have a much higher return on initial investment, which in turn could motivate future expansions of the system, which this is, is good true. for society. And it's also important in an era of rising costs for doing things like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, I also have some interesting ridership numbers on the FX2. Yeah. You know, the weird pseudo BRT that they open. Sure, improved bus route that they open. I'm going to call it pseudo BRT because that's what it is. Okay. BRT in grant application only. How many people do you think ride the thing per day? Isn't it pretty long? Uh, It's like 15 miles. You got to remember that Portland's metro area is ridiculously compact. And that's like half the, the length of the metro. Okay. 15 miles. Lots of improvements. I'm going to guess 5,000. What do you got, Alex? Um, well, I, I know that sounds about right. Probably probably a bit more. 
Okay, I want to get like the exact number, so hold Thank on you. real quick. Yeah, so as of uh, the, the spring of this year, 6,700 daily riders on the thing. Dang, that's quite good. I know. What and is that per mile? Um, crap. Actually, I can get that. They have that here. Oh. Rides per revenue hour. Oh, no, they don't. Oh, that's per revenue mile. I don't want that. <laughs> so you said about 15, 15 miles? 6,700, about 15 miles. That is about 450 daily riders per route mile. Quite respectable, given that it goes into the suburbs. Quite respectable for a bus in general. Yeah. What I found is really interesting is that Portland has, like, a bunch of bus routes that are, like, almost 10,000 riders a day. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Some of these some of these TriMet routes are, like, really high-performing, and nobody knows about it. So, like, yeah. those aren't quite Muni numbers, but they're high. <laughs> yeah, that's but then again, sure, like the Muni runs in a completely different context than TriMet uh, Muni does. runs in the second densest city in the country. So one could say Muni is on easy mode in terms Second of Second densest riders. real city, I should say. Muni has the problem of having too many riders. On their buses? Hell yeah. <laughs> no, every every single 30 I squeezed onto was, well, I had to squeeze onto it. And, <laughs> and this is post-pandemic. <laughs> San Francisco have higher order transit outside of Market Street. Challenge Impossible. 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 Gary Boulevard subway one. Uh, never, because it's going to cost. You <laughs> think that the Silicon Valley expansion of BART was going to be expensive? This will cost $10 billion per mile just to spite you. And it will take 30 years to get through reviews because San Francisco has decided it doesn't want to be a functioning city and cares more about public input than being functioning. So Great. Anyway. You better put high-speed trains in it at least for that price. Yes. And so, yeah. Turns out having an urban growth boundary is very good for encouraging transit ridership and also having good transit is. But, you know, those two things go together. Yeah. And, and the most important criticism of urban growth boundaries is that it makes stuff more expensive. I have proof it does not. Because here's the thing. The only thing that urban growth boundaries directly make more expensive is land. I ripped it from census data. Portland is not significantly less or more expensive than other metro areas. Because as it turns out, there are a very, very large number of factors that affect housing prices and, like, retail unit rents other than the price of land. Mm-hmm. So... And if you take, like, cheap subdivision land, you make it twice as expensive, you can just put the buildings closer together and have the same per floor space cost. Yeah. And as it turns out, um, the cities that really outperformed Portland by a good margin, you'll never guess what cities they are. On affordability? Uh-huh. Let me guess. Philly? Uh, it, of the same size. Oh. Pittsburgh? St. Louis. Pittsburgh. Charlotte. You know, <laughs> places with a lot of either historical housing stock or sprawl. So... There you go. So anyway... Uh, basically, urban growth boundaries are good and very based, and I think every city everywhere should adopt one for its metro area. You know, speaking of cost of cost of living, since urban growth boundaries, regional planning, and good transit all go hand in hand in hand, and if you're 
getting additional transit ridership from the increased density you get from an urban growth boundary and provide a better transit service, you may actually be saving your residents money on their transportation costs, as well as evidently not causing that much trouble for their housing costs. Mm. So it may actually be cheaper to have an urban growth boundary than to be a Texas. True. <laughs> I, I would love to see a urban growth boundary up here, personally. Yeah, y'all oh, still have some yeah. farmland that it could like save. Y'all have a chance, and we need to get one ar around Utah Lake. Eagle real Mountain, fast. yeah. Before the entirety <laughs> of the surrounding of Utah Lake is just suburban nightmares. Before Utah Lake Bridge happens, oh, big Saratoga bridge. Springs. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> Saratoga Springs, or as I call it, shitty Utah Sausalito. <laughs> They do have a nice bike path along, like, the entirety of their main road, though, so that is fairly good. Oh, yeah, I did see that. That, that is nice. I do like that our modern sub suburbs and some of UDOT's latest and greatest no things transit, have bikes. No what? No transit, though. Zero. Nothing. Don't they have one pissy bus? Makes one stop on the outskirts of town, then goes to Eagle Mountain. Like... Basi in, there you go. They're in the in service In the heart area. of like 30,000, 40,000 people of, Eagle, of Saratoga Springs, there is zero transit. So. And yet they pay for the transit. Well, yeah, they get their one bus stop. And I do actually know people who drive to Lehigh from Saratoga Springs to get the train. So, you know. Front runner to Saratoga Springs? That would be a branch line, yeah. I'm waiting for it. There's that whole like big highway that they're building there as well that just has a crap ton of space in the middle. Every time I go past it on work, I can just see like a viaduct carrying a curve of frontrunner trains to there. <laughs> then once we get the Park City and the Tuella branches and the Logan Tunnel. Well, yeah, base tunnel to Logan. I'm waiting for us to outcompete LA on um, number of revenue miles. <laughs> <laughs> or number of service miles on regional rail. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be hard. Well, I, I think right. we might already. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Like in terms of in terms of revenue miles, we might actually beat out Metrolink, <laughs> which is kind of pathetic. That's absolutely pathetic. So, yeah, uh, moving on to the next thing, we're gonna ignore that. Oh, okay. <laughs> the thing after that, we're doing our completely subjective ranking of. Western Transit Agencies. Based purely off of vibes. Alex, what's your favorite transit agency on this list? Um, well, probably Sound Transit. Understandable. Yeah, Just because I love Seattle. Anything else you like about Sound Transit? I mean, I like the name and I, the I, ballot measures. Yeah, I just like the ambition. I think they've really got oh, it together. Yeah. That is very appreciable. I mean, the cost snake is like has its fangs sunk into their butt. No, it's not <laughs> as bad as other places, though. Yeah, yeah. well, that's going to be a like, problem it's everywhere. Only, yeah, it's only five hundred million dollars a mile for light rail. That's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and at least they are building it at the scale that they might actually have a chance at addressing some of the problems, mm. or they might just completely fail to address any of the problems. So I'll we'll put. See. I'll put Sound Transit in the good vibes category. Oh, I thought this was like a one through whatever. Oh, we can do that as well. I mean... Where is... Are we, are we typing this? Okay, we're done typing this. Sound Transit. All right. 
What's your favorite on the list that's not Sound Transit? Hmm. You know the answer to Art. that. You can just... No! <laughs> Don't insult me like that. Fine, UCA. Muni. Okay, Muni. My beloved. Sorry, I didn't see Muni on the list, so I picked the next best thing. Rude. What's yours? Hey, you gotta tell me what you like. You gotta tell the audience oh, what you like about Muni. I, Other than the logo. So, the, oh, the logo just slaps so hard. <laughs> that is the best transit agency logo on the planet, and you cannot change my mind. All right. Hey. Oh, I see. Um... Other things I like, it has good vibes, lots of trolley buses, just unimaginably frequent bus service. I think that the light rail is really fun and their drivers are insane on it, so you get, <laughs> so it feels like you're going fast even when you're not. Uh. Um, and I don't know, it has some cool transfers and stuff. So, yeah. Now, Kai, you get to put yours on the list. Um, TriMet. Really? I love the mountain tunnel. That is very cool, I will say. It's Why like, do more systems not have that? This has proven to be an amazingly good investment for TriMet. Like, ridership recovery on that side of the system is like 85%. Almost <laughs> like they built genuinely, objectively good transit. No, the West Side Max is the best light rail in the country, and you can't change my mind. Yeah, fair. Downtown part sucks. The rest of it's pretty good. Uh, the downtown part's fine. It's the Lloyd Center where it crawls. Mm. You know, on the other side of the river. Gotcha. Yeah. Is the new tunnel going to address that? Yes. Okay. Doesn't it just go under that street? Yeah. Cool. When <laughs> are they going to be done with that? Never. 2050? Ah, that's kind of optimistic. 2069. Nice. Okay. So we did, we did light rails. So uh, favorite commuter slash regional system. Mm. Alex, go. Ooh. Um, see, now you say I don't really remember any, so I, I'll just take I'll just take UTA front runner. Fine, fine, you can have that. It yeah. is an objectively good regional system. Uh, it's getting better too, despite naysayers. We are getting fifteen minute service probably in the next seven years. Next <laughs> lifetime. After we long. spend how many millions of dollars on track oh, construction? Not that much. It's really going to be acquiring, like, a, doubling the fleet size that's that, going to cost a lot of money. Is that what they're spending most of the $300 million on? No, the $300 million is exclusively for double tracking, which is good. It's good. Uh, it's fine. We're getting it. The results will be nice. Uh, Don't you, ask how much it is per mile. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you heard anything else about the how they were looking into battery trains? They seem to have gotten over that for now That's and just good. want to buy diesel equipment, which is better than battery trains. If, we're, if we need good. to double the fleet, why don't we just buy some electric trains and because put up the wires? that would be extremely expensive. I'm allowed to be pessimistic occasionally. Oh, he shot me. Uh, I'm going to go... Oh, you, you can choose first this time in your favorite commuter rails. Caltrain. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Why Caltrain? Oh, I don't know. It's going to be the best regional rail in the country. It's actually improving. It's going to have extremely fast service. It's going to have more stops. It's going to have? Haven't they already opened that? No, the electrification opens next spring. Oh, okay. Which um, might actually be a good travel That would explain why us. the trains are still parked outside the Stadler facility. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're still working on, like, finishing it because they've only been working on it on weekends so that they can, like, provide regular service. So... 
Anyway. Gotcha. Oh, who does that leave for me? Wes. <laughs> Wes is my favorite commuter rail because it's funny. That would be TriMet's commuter rail for those who don't I'm know. I'm canceling you. All right, everyone's favorite. Oh, no, I'm going to choose Denver, actually, even though I hate Denver. Because they have already electrified and it's based. Oh, I didn't know they have commuter rail. We're going to have to do Denver episodes, even though I hate Denver. We probably should, yeah. just for coverage. Just going to mention how I hate Denver every time anyone mentions Denver. That's right. Which there. I hate, by the way. Oh, right. <laughs> We can do the framing device where we pretend we ride the Amtrak there. Or we tell you which route you need to get or on. Or we can there. actually ride the Amtrak there. That would be funny. We could do that. It's pretty cheap, isn't it? Oh, probably like a hundred bucks. Oh. No. I think it's a bit oh. more. That's the than part that. that people actually the part that people a hundred bucks per way. The people that part the part that people actually want to ride is between Salt Lake City and Denver because that's where all the cool mountain views are. Um, so So that makes it more expensive. Mm -hmm. We'll just book it six months in advance. Mm. <laughs> and still pay a hundred bucks. Sure. I'm uh, a voucher. Um, I, I think yeah. the interesting mountain bits aren't between Salt Lake and Denver. I think it's Grand Junction yeah. and Denver. That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I go to Grand Junction and I can tell you there's not much to see. Grunction. 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 Okay. Uh, moving on. Favorite. Heavy rail. Oh, okay. Wait. No, you go ahead. Before we do heavy rail, brief intermission. Favorite train in LA? I don't like any of them. I just, I don't know. The E line's pretty good, I guess. The one, I like the one heavy rail line. It goes under the mountain. Two heavy rail lines. Oh, what's the other one? It goes an extra. It's a spur. It goes oh. a stop away from. Someday <laughs> it'll go to the ocean. I've never Someday. been to LA, so I can't say. Okay, on to heavy rail. Uh, you get first pick this time, Kyle. What? Okay, Bart. Nah, it sucks to be you. Your turn, uh, Alex. Heavy rail? Um, I, 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 I don't know. All right, well, we're going to assign you, because there's only three subways on the West Coast, we're going to assign you the LA Metro. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll, I'll take it. That's fine. And I get the best objectively. Translink, SkyTrain, Vancouver, baby. Oh. <laughs> get owned. Yeah, enjoy your SkyTrain. Ha ha ha, victory. <laughs> Me, when instead of plat platform screen doors, you have laser sensors. True. <laughs> True. <sighs> Which is just as based, in my opinion. Your opinion's wrong, but continue. I do kind of aesthetically like Bart more than Skytrain, but like... Most people like Bart aesthetically. Bart is really good as vibes. Yeah. I don't know. Nobody tries that hard anymore. I know. Like, where... Why aren't we, like... I don't know. Bart's got pretty good sound effects, too. Yeah, and the voice that announces things is so delightfully yeah. crunchy. It's like, eight car, train, Richmond, fuck... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and the sound coming into the station is truly unmatched. <laughs> also, by far the highest capacity system on the West Coast. Yeah. By far. Yeah. Like, Bart, 10 car there. trains. You can fit like a thousand people in each one of those. Can, can and run, do. You can run 36 of them an hour through the Transbay tube, which is like 
36,000 per direction per hour. And the mere fact that they were considering digging a second BART tube. Well, now they're going to dig, dig a second tube, but it's for Caltrain and CHSR. So Yeah, which makes sense because you can share one tube for both of them. Yeah, I'm not sh I don't think Caltrain is as high of capacity as BART is, but it's still pretty high capacity. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, if there are ever crush loads under the bay again, which there will be someday. Um, so what connectivity benefit would having a Caltrain tunnel under the bay provide? There are a lot of places in the East Bay you can't take BART. The, 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 the corridors for BART extension are kind of done on the East Bay. You can build them, like, in further into San Francisco and further south if you wanted to, and into Marin County if you're insane. Uh-huh. But there isn't really any good place in the East Bay to put BART that isn't already being used by other heavy rail services. So the idea is you could take Caltrain across the bay and you could electrify some of those unused rail lines and stick Caltrain there at a much lower cost than building BART while continuing to have freight rail there or continuing to have Capital Corridor there or continuing to have ACE train there. Right, so it can share and it can do at-grade running. Because BART has to be grade separated. And also has broad gauge. <laughs> 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 they should just put a big middle finger sticker on the front of all the BART, all the BART cars. Mm -hmm. And also uh, Cost Snake 8, that because it was originally going to have Caltrain, <sighs> CHSR, and BART tunnels all in one thing. I mean, to be fair, BART extensions have been a stretch for a long time. <clears throat> E-BART, <clears throat> San Jose. Uh, I don't know. They should build the San Jose. I just wish they would do it in a more logical way so it wouldn't cost so much. Yeah. Because 36,000 riders a day is like a lot of people, and there's a lot of potential for there to be a lot more, especially since there's going to be great connections at Deridian. So. so maybe if they just put it in one of those cute little viaducts. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. Just build the viaduct. It's like You, can, you can build a sound viaduct. wall around it if you absolutely must. Art trains are not that loud when they go by. No, they're not. The viaducts are tiny. So, anyway, yeah. Uh, favorite desert system? UTA. <laughs> There's only one good one. I yeah. No offense, Phoenix, but y'all are... Y'all ain't it. I'm going to put Rail Runner. Oh, that's a good one as well. I hadn't thought of that. I, I just looked Alex. up Rail Runner, and uh, the livery for that is awesome. It is <laughs> fire. It, it, it's gorgeous. It's also, I'm told... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I'm, I'm just admiring it. I'm also told that the experience of riding it is much better than Front Runner in a number of ways by someone who just wrote it. So, Why is that? Uh, better track, mostly. Hey, I saw on the Vine that the UTA tried to do track maintenance on Front Runner and it ended up just causing massive system delays Oh yeah, track tamper broke down. Yeah, so... We were trying to do, I say we as if I'm MOW, I'm not, but we, we as, as, in, the entire as in Frontrunner front was doing some track maintenance on the south end and the tamper broke. And so they're like, well, let's park it on the siding at American Fork. Now, what the problem with doing this is, is between Lehigh and Vineyard, there is one siding and that is American Fork. And that created 20 miles of single track where if you had a single problem with any meat, you just destroyed the entire system. Um, <laughs> you know, there are other places where there are, like, other places you can do meets, but here, you have to meet there if there's a problem. So, naturally, there's a problem where there's a crossing <laughs> protection. <laughs> and, I, and I rode past it, like, the Monday before on the way down to Provo for a thing, 
and I saw the tamper, and I'm like, oh, that's going to fuck us up later in the week. <laughs> and so, naturally, there is a crossing protection immediately south of American Fork that caused 10-minute delays in both directions and then screwed up every meet in the entire south end for the entire day. I love diesel trains where one crossing production can delay by 10 minutes. Uh, it does, doesn't help when the first person to go through it is a new engineer who doesn't know how to recover from that sort of thing oh. very well. So, anyway, it was a nightmare. It wasn't that bad. It was only like 30 minute delays, but. On 30 minutes. In 30 minute service, which Therefore is. Therefore, the train's funny. back on time. Mm hmm. <laughs> no, at that point, you literally just redesignate. That's funny. So, I do find it interesting that New Mexico Railrunner uses four car trains despite carrying like three people. <laughs> just one person <laughs> per car. Oh. Plus the, plus the conductor gets one to themselves. Yeah. So. They, maybe they just have them bonded in sets like we do. Ours are not bonded in sets. For practical purpose, they're pur purposes, they're bonded in sets. Ever since we got rid of the comic cars. We take them apart all the time. Why? Maintenance. Oh, okay. Like, they, they look, it seems like they're bonded in sets because that's, like, what they always look like on the track, but they're not. And they just always assemble them they the just same? assemble them and dis... No, they don't even do that. Oh, okay. What do you, when you say bonded in sets, you mean there's always a two cab cars in a... Well... That's because that's the number of cars we have. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. So, anyway. Railrunner is pretty cool, though. Yeah. And the scenery is great. So. All right. Things we've not done yet. Um, Metrolink. Cursed. Get negative rating. VTA. <laughs> oh. Neutral. AC Transit. I don't know. We had a pretty positive experience with AC Transit, I think. They do got buses. They do go burr. It's got Clipper, too. Yeah. Uh, Sack RT. We've never ridden it, but I don't like the vibe, so negative. Okay, I don't <laughs> even know where this is. Sacramento. Oh. They're light rail and buses. Gotcha. Um, SDMTS. San Diego-based. Got Understandable. I would have voted, probably voted for that for something if I knew what the acronym meant. Oh, yeah, San Diego Metropolitan Transit Service. Phoenix. Oh, uh, we talked about that like two weeks ago. Fair enough. The Vegas monorail on here? Why does it just say Vegas? Yeah, I was just thinking about Vegas' buses in general. They have buses? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course they have buses. I haven't really been keeping tabs on all the City Nerd videos there. So, I don't know, positive-ish. Uh, Boise ranted. <laughs> no, that was an option. I put at the bottom all others we wish to add. Logan. Give it to death. We still haven't yeah. managed to ride the damn thing, but. Well, this is a question for Alex. Uh, positive. Cool. Park City. Very nice, actually. I was yeah. favorably impressed. A surprising amount of 15 minute service. Uh, love the electric livery. Yeah. Yeah, and they have like an express and local corridor, which is like. Yeah, we don't even have that. Mm-hmm. And it seemed pretty well used. I mean, we weren't ever on any empty buses. Yeah. So. Especially the one from Salt Lake to there. That thing was always <laughs> quite Especially, busy. yeah. So. Anything else anyone wants to talk about? Because we've got like an hour worth of content here now. <laughs> We're almost um, an hour. A minute the, short. I, I know. There's, um... There's an electric vehicle and like electrified roadway testing facility up here. 
that oh I always boy. go past <laughs> when I'm working and it bugs bugs the hell out of me. Understandable. Yeah. Uh, my I, urbanist <laughs> grievance. Oh, go. <laughs> so I, I just think it's a waste of time and money. But yeah, up there with hydrogen tech. Yeah. And physically unrealistic. And the benefits are low and the costs are high. Yeah. Uh, my urbanist grievance of the month is second east. <laughs> because it is fine south of like fifth, but north of it, it turns into a four lane well, road for the no Same reason. thing actually on fifth east. They recently did a new chip sale and they restriped from fifth east down to Liberty Park with some actually pretty decently thought out bike lanes. And then it just stops at fifth south. Yeah, and this is really annoying because I use it all the time to get to school, to get to the library, to get to church. Everything is on like second. Salt, like Salt Lake City Roadway Maintenance, Salt Lake City Streets Department must just have like a, a line drawn in their system that breaks up the maintenance at 5th South or something. Maybe, I don't know. Anyway, that's my grievance at the moment. I'm really mad at 2nd South. Or yeah. wait, 2nd East. 2nd East. Also 2nd South. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not too mad at that. They seem to be making some progress, finally. Great. Looking for it to be eventually done. You have any grievances at the moment? Nothing new. <laughs> I, I have a enough. grievance uh, from a friend. Uh, I keep hearing that the 800 East, uh, between 1700 <sighs> South and 21st South, the traffic circles they put in are apparently horrendous for cyclists. They put in traffic circles? Didn't apparently, even know yeah. that. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's, I an, it's on the byway network. Supposedly. Well, that's why they're putting in traffic circles. Oh, did they just make like a comically undersized roundabout or something? That's what a traffic circle think, is. It's like a little circle. No, but I think they made them comically oversized. Oh, so you actually have to go around it. That, that's cyclist. at least what I heard. And then it's not like built up at all. So it's just like a curb all the way around. So it won't even slow you down due to sight lines. It'll, it's just like, I know, it's a, it's apparently super dumb looking and doesn't even work too well. Did they? So. Do you want to go look at 8th when we're done here? Or do you have class? No, I don't have class. Let's go look at eight. Right. We're gonna go look at that and report back because I want to okay. see what this yeah. is now. Please do. Do they even so. have? Do they even have the approach islands like a proper roundabout does? They're not trying to build a proper roundabout. What are they doing? They're trying to build a traffic circle, which is a traffic calling Maybe. method. Yeah, it's but, a very okay. different thing. <laughs> I'm still well, waiting check for it out because improvements uh, before that can join I, the Broadway network proper. Yeah, but uh, we'll uh, check, check it out because I've heard it's it's very weird. And maybe no, makes the road more dangerous. <laughs> Entirely possible. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let me know um, what you find. Other grievances I have. Uh, you know, I'm normally not prone to agree with uh, what is it, Cycling West, Cycling Utah, or whatever. Oh yeah. Guy who's the always magazine. like weird on Twitter about pedestrian access to train areas, but. The third North Bridge oh, is open. Oh, the bridge open. opened uh, last Wednesday, the mm -hmm. 18th, I believe. That's not so much a grievance, but I think it's good. Hey, that should have been in the news section. It's a okay. totally rad bridge. It's got two elevators. You know how bloody yeah. expensive elevators are? Yeah, that's why it cost $8.6 million. Yeah, fortunately, it's also a very important bridge. 
West It's High already been used since it opened. Yeah. Like, because UP was already blocking the tracks yeah. on opening day. So. <laughs> also, I'll take this to reiterate our usual comments about pedestrian grade separations. If is you, always good, no matter what, from trains. Always. This is true. And what I like about this one is that you have the option of crossing either at grade or on the on the bridge. Yes. If which there's is a lot more relevant to road crossings. But it's cool here. If there is no train there, you should be able to cross on foot. But if there's a train there, there needs to be a bridge. Yep. And if you're building a pedestrian, a grade-separated pedestrian crossing of a road, you should probably have an at-grade option as well, in most cases. Yeah. So true, bestie. So thank you for listening to the Red Line Podcast. Uh, I have a conclusion. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube, and to follow and leave us a rating on iTunes and slash or Spotify. Make sure to check back next week if you want to begin the fabulous journey into the dark depths of L.A. transit history. If you like what we do here, please consider becoming a member on Patreon. Patrons receive early access to all of our regular content, as well as exclusive content almost every month, and occasional merch drops. Speaking of patrons... Working on it. Working 9 to 5. You need to look at mine? Oh, yeah. That would be nice. All right, still working on it. <laughs> Fine, I'll pull up my own. There we go. Oh, good timing on my part, I guess. Uh, at super duper, uh, I don't know, what trans agency do we like? Caltrain, Electrified Tier, <laughs> Zach Adams, and minus one modifier, Generic GT. At regular frontrunner tier, we have Curtis Herring, Devin Zander, McKay Ransom, Mike Christensen, and Phobos2390. And at our $5 a month redline tier, we have Brian Smith, Christopher Whaley, DJ Hiwell, Watkins, <laughs> Elijah Kensler, Jacob Whitecotton, Jesse Mayo, Reluctant LA Resident, and Robert, <laughs> Robert P. Walsh. Thank you all. And at blue line tier, not saying which blue line, we have Alex Dykelski, Ben Busap, Bradley Bondi, Ethan McDonald, Evelyn, G4, Gonza 12, John Heron Gorman, Martin Hecker Martinez, Matt Gray, Seth, and Zach Verstott. At the grind tier, we have Benjamin Wood and Capil. So thanks, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Everybody do the motion. <laughs> All of the dream. How does it mean when the rhythm is glad? There is nothing to be said. Danger and dance. Clapping the hands when we're out <laughs> in the space on the planet of the base. <laughs> Life it never die. Women are my favorite guy. <laughs> good song. Uh, Sex, I'm wanting more. Save the world, <laughs> stop the war. That's all I got. Alright, bye. Au <laughs> revoir. <laughs>